Hey everybody, welcome to this bonus edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio, a mini-podcast today devoted to the vegan cause. After following a lacto-vegetarian diet for most of my life, several years ago I switched to vegan. I had many impressive vegan guests on my radio program, including some vegan Janes and all their wonderful publications about ahimsa or non-violence, including in the area of diet, as in advocating a vegan diet, great publications about ecology and climate change. One in particular really had a major impact on me called My Visit to a Dairy Farm. I can send a copy to you. Just uh, send me an email. It really shatters the corporate propaganda advertising image about happy cows in sunny pastures, gopis, Krishna, and cows living this blissful, idyllic life. That's not the life that cows experience. That's not where we get our dairy products from. If you'd like to get a copy of my visit to a dairy farm, send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. In the East and in the West, Gnostics and other advanced mystics, those serious practitioners of soul travel, inner light and sound meditation, have universally adhered to a vegetarian diet or plant-based diet. It's hard to reach more subtle states of tranquility and meditation on an animal flesh diet based on the suffering of other beings. Or as George Bernard Shaw once said, A man of spiritual intensity does not eat corpses. Traditionally, Santmat and the yoga philosophy of India have advocated the lacto-vegetarian diet, which means abstinence from meat, fish, fowl, and eggs, but has allowed dairy. Vegan, however, means complete abstinence from all animal products and strictly adhering to a plant-based diet. No dairy, no eggs, or meat of any kind, or products made from the exploitation of animals. Based on the current cruel practices of the dairy industry in India, and indeed around the world, that violate the principle of ahimsa, or non-violence, Plus all the scores of medical studies these days, the science, showing that dairy consumption adversely affects our health and well-being. I believe that if they were here with us today, the classic saints of India, such as Lord Mahavira, Guru Kabir, Guru Nanak, Tukaram, Ravidas, Tulsidas, Namdev, Darya Sahib, etc., etc., would not only be advocating a vegetarian diet, but a vegan diet. These days, many are making this transition to vegan, including a growing percentage of those following Santmat or Radhaswami. This is the compassionate direction that the vegetarian movement is headed in. Vegetarianism itself is going vegan. Some of the oldest veg and vegan quotes on planet Earth. Pophory, in a book called On Abstinence from Beings with a Soul, 
Porphyry, a 3rd century AD Neoplatonist philosopher, said, If, however, someone should think it is unjust to destroy brutes, or in other words, to kill animals, such a one should neither use milk, nor wool, nor honey. For as you injure a man by taking from him his garments, thus also you injure a sheep by shearing it. Milk, likewise, was not produced for you, but for the young of the animal that has it. The bee also collects honey as food for itself, which you, by taking away, administer for your own pleasure. A passage from On Abstinence from Beings with a Soul, from the 3rd century AD by the Neoplatonist philosopher Porphyry. For information on going vegan, consult the website of Dr. Michael Greger, nutritionfacts.org, to learn the science behind a plant-based diet. Also see his wonderful YouTube channel, nutritionfacts.org. I was talking to Dr. Will Tuttle, author of The World Peace Diet. He's a major advocate of following a vegan, compassionate diet. And he was making the observation that the word vegan is a word that was coined fairly recently. The word vegetarian was also coined fairly recently, relatively speaking, in human history. So, for the last 2,000 years in the Western world, those who have followed a vegan diet or some kind of vegetarian diet have been known as Pythagoreans. That was the word used for them before words like veg or vegan got invented during recent times. Such was the influence of the great sage of the Western world, Pythagoras, that for most of the last 2,000 years, those who have followed a veg diet were known as Pythagoreans. In ancient times, Pythagoreans advocated a veg diet and was a major influence on many different religions, Platonism, the Essene branch of Judaism, which was vegetarian, the early Jesus movement before Paul and the Romans was veg. See my other podcasts on the vegetarianism of early Christianity, the original Hebrew Christians, and the Essene branch of Judaism. Also, the Gnostics of ancient times were veg. This is a quote from Pythagoras. As long as man continues to be the ruthless destroyer of lower living beings, he will never know health or peace. For as long as men massacre animals, they will kill each other. Indeed, he who sows the seed of murder and pain cannot reap joy and love. The Veg Pharaoh in Egypt from 1351 to 1334 BCE, Akhenaten, known as the Heretic Pharaoh or Heretic King, was an Egyptian pharaoh who banned animal sacrifice and traditional Egyptian religion, instead instituting a religion based on compassion and a kind of proto-monotheism. Akhenaten believed it to be sinful to take away any life given by Aten, his name for the one God. The vegetarianism of the early chapters of the book of Genesis. 
In the beginning, vegetarianism is at the beginning of the Hebrew Bible. Getting back to Eden. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Hebrew Bible, Genesis 1.29 Not only in modern times, but I've read commentaries on Genesis authored by Christians who lived in the 3rd and 4th centuries, who also noticed the vegetarianism of those early chapters of the Genesis story. It's not a new observation that these folks were veg, the ideal of Eden or paradise was adhering to a plant-based diet. Jainism is one of the oldest religions on earth. The following is from the Yoga Shastra, a scripture of Jainism. Non-injury to all living beings is the only religion. This is the quintessence of wisdom, not to kill anything. All breathing, existing, living, sentient creatures should not be slain, nor treated with violence, nor abused, nor tormented, nor driven away. This is the pure, unchangeable law. Therefore, cease to injure living things. All living things love their life, desire pleasure, and do not like pain. They dislike any injury to themselves. Everybody is desirous of life, and to every being, his life is very dear. Hinduism the Bhagavad Gita of Krishna says, One is dearest to God who has no enemies among the living beings, who is non-violent to all creatures. In the Srimad Bhagavatam we read, To be violent to human beings and to be a killer or enemy of the animals is Satan's philosophy. Unquote. The laws of Manu, an ancient Hindu Torah, if you will, a Hindu scripture which is dated, depending on who you talk to, which scholar you talk to, between several thousand years BC to 200 BC, somewhere in there, states, quote, meat cannot be obtained without injury to animals. He who does not eat meat becomes dear to humanity and will not be tormented by diseases. There is no greater sinner than the one who seeks to increase the bulk of his own flesh by the flesh of other beings. Thus, having well considered the disgusting origin of meat and the cruelty of fettering and slaying of corporeal beings, let him entirely abstain from eating flesh. Laws of Manu, a kind of Hindu Torah, dating back to B.C. times. Buddhism, the original Buddhism of the Buddha. Sant Mat views the world religions uh, not just simply as, you know, Buddhism over here, Hinduism there, Christianity here, but sees them in terms of stages. You've got Jesus and the original circle of disciples and what they were following. And then centuries later, institutions and organizations are totally different from that, that have gone in other directions. The same for Islam, the same for Buddha and Buddhism. The original Buddha 
and his circle of disciples. That's the real Buddhism. Not what others did later, Paul and Romans in Christianity, what they did to Christianity. You know, the Roman diet and the fish symbol and all of that, loaves with fishes added sometime during the second century AD. Not what others have done to world religions later on, but that original stage of the living master and his circle of disciples. That's the pure original teaching, uncontaminated by later organizations and movements. Buddhism, the eating of meat, extinguishes the seed of great compassion, said the Buddha. One is not a great one because one defeats or harms other beings. One is so-called because one refrains from defeating or harming other beings, said the Buddha in the Dhammapada. If a man can control his body and mind and therefore restrains from eating animal flesh and wearing animal products, I say he will really be liberated. The Buddha in the Srangama Sutra, my favorite Buddhist scripture, Srangama Sutra. For innumerable reasons, the Bodhisattva, whose nature is compassion, is not to eat any meat. For fear of causing terror to living beings, let the Bodhisattva, who is disciplining himself to attain compassion, refrain from eating flesh. Meat is not agreeable to the wise. It has a nauseating odor. It causes a bad reputation. It is food for the carnivorous. I say this, it is not to be eaten. From eating meat, arrogance is born. From arrogance, erroneous imaginations issue. And from imagination is born greed. And for this reason, refrain from eating meat. Meat eating is condemned by the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. If one devours meat out of shamelessness, he will always be devoid of sense. Therefore, do not eat meat, which will cause terror among people because it hinders the truth of emancipation. Not to eat meat, this is the mark of the wise. Readings from various early Buddhist sutras of the true Buddhism, which was compassionate, including in the area of what's for lunch, of diet. Christianity before Paul. I've devoted several programs to Gnosticism and to early Christianity, the Jesus movement. And it's kind of a, a shock to some people to, to think that they were vegetarian. What about the fishes that appeared in second century uh, Greek manuscripts of Gospels? And what about what they say in Sunday school about uh, fish and Passover lamb? in European Gospels written by the Paul branch of Christianity and its appeal to the Roman Empire. It seems kind of surprising, but you know, many have observed that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament was having an argument with another faction of Christians about diet. You have veg Christians and then Paul saying, no, 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 it doesn't matter. 
Uh, but he also said, you know, if it offends your brother, you know, don't eat meat in that situation. Even he said that. So who was he arguing with? The letters of Paul are the earliest part of the New Testament, dating back to 50 AD. That's fairly impressive. Who was he arguing with? Well, there were vegetarian Christians. The great-grandchildren of the Essene branch of Judaism who adopted Christ as Messiah in the early Jesus movement, quite often referred to as the Hebrew Christians, the Jewish Christians, or Ebionites. This is a saying of Jesus in Luke 21:34, not from the Greek, but from a Syriac Aramaic manuscript of the New Testament. Now beware in yourselves that your hearts do not become heavy with the eating of flesh and with the intoxication of wine and with the anxiety of the world, and that day come upon you suddenly. For as a snare it will come upon all them that dwell on the surface of the earth. Eating of flesh is on the list in that particular saying. But the reference to the eating of flesh is removed from the Greek manuscripts of Luke 21, 34. Curious, isn't it? Doesn't it make you wonder? Robert Eisenman, the biblical scholar, in his book, James, the Brother of Jesus, said, James was a vegetarian. In ancient times, the brother of Jesus, James the Just or James the Righteous, was described as a vegetarian. How could this be? That's not what they teach in Sunday school. James, the brother of the Lord, lived on seeds and plants and touched neither meat nor wine. John never ate meat. I'm reading quotes uh, from the history of the church. The apostle Matthew partook of seeds and nuts, hard-shelled fruits and vegetables without flesh. A quote from Clement of Alexandria, the, the book two of Instructor. The Instructor, Book 2, Chapter 1. Peter said, the, as in the Apostle Peter, said, I live on olives and bread to which I rarely only add vegetables. A quote from the Clementine homilies as well as the Book of Recognitions. Peter, the, 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 the rock, the, the head apostle of uh, Christianity, eventually was a vegetarian. And there are many sources that describe the apostles, and especially James, the brother of Jesus, as being vegetarian. This is a quote from Recognitions of Clement from the Anti-Nicene Fathers. So in other words, this is not some channeled 19th century text or, you know, Essene Gospel of Peace or something like that written in the UK in the 19th century or something like that, channeled writings. These are ancient writings. These are ancient texts known to those who might attend a theological seminary. These are all old writings preserved in Apocrypha and the early history of the church. There are likewise amongst the Bactrians in the Indian countries immense multitudes of Brahmins who also themselves from the tradition of their ancestors and peaceful customs and laws neither commit murder, nor adultery, nor worship idols, 
nor have the practice of eating animal food, are never drunk, never do anything maliciously, but always revere God. A quote from the Recognitions of Clement, Book 9, Chapter 22, preserved in that big fat collection of volumes known as the Anti-Nicene Fathers, early Christian writings. The Recognitions of Clement, the Clementine homilies in general, which that is a part of, are considered to be a kind of Ebionite book of Acts. And the Ebionite or the, the Hebrew Christians are given kind of a bad name. You know, Paul wrote half the New Testament and his friends wrote most of the, you know, the Gospels are most, mostly sympathetic to Paul. And the other apostles are out there somewhere, I guess. You don't really hear much about the other apostles in the New Testament. There's one letter of uh, the apostle James in the back, and there's a tiny little book of Jude uh, near the back of uh, the New Testament. And that's it. You don't really hear about what goes on with those other apostles. You know, and they're called legalists and, you know, of the circumcision and, and all of this. But, you know, from reading the writings of the Jewish Christians, the writings of the other apostles and uh, the Clementine homilies, rather than being uptight, sheltered, legalistic people, they were actually very open-minded. Uh, the Western world could use some of their cosmopolitan open-mindedness and awareness of what goes on in other countries like India, as a matter of fact. And finally, the Gnostic Gospels of the Western world were veg. There is a book of the Nag Hammadi Library, one of the books of Nag Hammadi, one of the Gnostic Gospels discovered in 1945. I've done podcasts on the, the Nag Hammadi discovery the Gospel of Thomas was part of the Nag Hammadi. Uh, there is this vegetarian prayer. It's called the Prayer of Thanksgiving. There is this long prayer, and at the end it says, When they had said these things in the prayer, they embraced each other and went to eat their holy food, which has no blood in it. Unquote. The footnote by Marvin Meyer in his book, The Gnostic Scriptures, a translation of Nag Hammadi and some other Gnostic texts as well. The footnote says, vegetarian food. Other translations, that, that same prayer of thanksgiving is also found in the Corpus Hermeticum of Egypt, another collection of sacred texts. It's in the uh, epilogue of Asclepius in Hermetica, translated by Sir Walter Scott, and is rendered this way. Having prayed thus, let us betake ourselves to a meal unpolluted by flesh of living things, unquote. The G.R.S. Mead translation of the same vegetarian prayer of thanksgiving ends with this. With this desire, we now betake us to our pure and fleshless meal the Brian Copenhaver translation of the same prayer in his English translation of the Hermetica says, With such hopes we turn to a pure meal that includes no living thing. Unquote. That's the vegetarian prayer of thanksgiving found in the Nag Hammadi Library, but also is, uh, is found in the Corpus Hermeticum and ends with this rather vegetarian description of this prayer. 
prayer once very popular with Gnostics and evidently those followers of the Hermetic philosophy of Egypt as well. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast today devoted to the vegan cause. As I say, vegetarianism is going vegan and not a moment too soon with all of these neat quotes from around the world, including some surprising ones from Jesus and the Apostles, uh, the unredacted original version of Christianity, which was coming out of Judaism during the first century AD and very close to the Essene branch of Judaism. To comment on this podcast today, send me an email if you like. I can also, as I mentioned earlier, send you a copy of My Visit to a Dairy Farm, authored by a follower of the Vegan Jains, a vegan follower of a religion from India known as Jainism. I can send that to you. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. James at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Like and subscribe, as they say, about YouTube podcasts. And there is a donate button on my website, which is spiritualawakeningradio.com, a little yellow PayPal donate button. And also at my website, you'll find links to many podcasts and articles, blogs, and you can uh, link to Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. You can find my daily spiritual quotes at all of those sites and other sites too, including ELO and I'm at Blogger and WordPress. You can find links to those by visiting my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. Go vegan, plant-based, way to go. Live longer, less disease, less suffering in the world. Reducing suffering not only for the animals, but for the human beings as well. Pain, suffering, disease. Compassion is win-win-win. Good for the planet, good for the environment, good for the animals, good for the people. Thanks for listening to Spiritual Awakening Radio.